Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How's it going? It's Hector here. Hope you're all well. So, we're on a bit of a break for the Easter holidays, right? But what we've decided to do for you out there exclusively on this Thursday morning and wherever you are around the world is share with you an exclusive past episode from our members archive. That's the members archive, the member shows that go out every single Monday. There's over 50 past bonus episodes waiting for you to listen to. All you got to do to check them out is go over to thlpod.com forward slash members only. You can see them there. Sign up now and get access to these exclusive Monday membership episodes. But this one is just for ye. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, exclusive Members Club. This is the bonus episode of THL. And the name of this episode is... Do you have any suggestions there? I, I have. Give us one second. We'll have go, to write a list. We'll go to week. Hertha Berlin Slow. That's too much. No, here, here. Hertha Berlin Slow. Just re- here, there's a list. <laughs> right, Did we ever use Brighton and Cove Albion? Yes. Yeah. Did we ever use Newcastle Pollard United? <laughs> Newcastle Pollard, you know. What about Inishman United? Tottenham Hotspur. Inishman United. Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 that was good. Oh, lovely. Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. Uh, I have a question for you now. Are you okay? You ready? Yes. Yes. Do do you owe anybody anything? No, not financially. What are you Money. That's the question. Do you owe anybody anything? Favours, like maybe? Favours or apologies or money or... Pieces of machinery or a car or... Like, what, like borrow something and never give it back? Whatever the... Whatever way you want to frame That's it. Like I remember years ago, this would have been back maybe 1991. Why does he put no, no, We're not from the Midlands. He's going back to Nav. No, he, no, he's putting on that Midland action there. From about nineteen ninety one, there was a fellow who owned a video store uh, near Cook's Corner, and he was a big Bob Dylan fan, like I was. And he had a triple vinyl edition of an album that Bob Dylan released called Biograph, which is all his best songs over the years on record. And he lent it to me and I made a mess of it. I made it just, it got melted and melted and scratched and destroyed. But I've never forgotten it because uh, I owe him that. I also, um, there's a lady in Cork 
this be going back now nineteen eighty eight. I I owe her a month's rent. As my father <laughs> as my father said to me over the phone, she contacted my father. Oh yes. Because I had I had absconded from the city and she was looking for her rent and she phoned my father and she said gave out to him my father. He then phoned me and he said, uh, you left a bit of a dog behind you. <laughs> that was a technical term for getting out. Mm-hmm. So I owe those people stuff. I probably owe a few people an apology. Uh, I owe the banks. A, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I owe the banks a fair few quid now, but you're a lot of people. That'd be the one thing I would say to my children. Be very, very slow to get into debt. Mm. You know what I mean? We live in a culture where debt is almost encouraged in the sense of getting a mortgage. It's a good thing. Yeah. Take it alone. 45 years. £300 a week it's fine no problem and it's that the culture encourages it I would sit and be very fucking slow to get into that unless you owe the bank a loads and lo- millions then they can't take it back well off you, as Bob course. Dylan says steal a little and they throw you in jail steal a mm. lot and they make you king yeah so hey, that would be my advice true. take it if you're if you're looking for one million order 45 and then hopefully you'll be okay so do you owe anybody anything can you uh, I can't I'm, t- I'm trying to think now what? would you mean would you, owe, would you would you owe anybody a few quid from a horse gambling, like no, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I'm trying to think. Are you getting oh, texts like uh, Montefuck Hector? Where's that? Where's that five k? <laughs> Don't have me call around to the house. I'm trying to think of what I would owe somebody over the years. What would you owe? Do you owe anybody an apology? If you do. Now's That's a time. big one, isn't it? Then you're real. You're soul searching here. Do you owe somebody? Maybe uh, what this do we owe? This might be something we should think about. What do we owe? What do I owe? Some? I know. Uh, uh, well, look, I leave it with you, <laughs> and maybe maybe come back to us over the next couple of weeks. No, no, Larita, Larita. I have lots of other questions. No, no, no. Does Larita owe anybody anything? No, sure. Look at she. No, to look at me. I don't. He didn't even even ask me. He asked you, Hector. So I don't know. Maybe you owe him something. Maybe Hector, you took it tape of him in 1975 whenever you went to school together and Larita what are you on about 75 what do you maybe you Nobody didn't give it back to him in Navin. you owe me an apology there Larita yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> I owe Tommy an apology you'd never trade tapes did you mean to say like because back in the day you'd only have about seven of them well, you at, would never the trade most, them, would you not? You'd, you'd make a tape for somebody. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't swap them. But you'd never give them your Flock of Seagull telecommunications tape. Uh, or your Depeche yeah. Mode. Life. Or your Christoburg or an entire album on either side. But yeah. you'd never, <clears throat> don't, people don't trade tapes. Yeah. I we miss out on that now, don't we? You can't make tapes for people. I used to make radio shows on a tape for myself. So, you know, Atlantic 252 would be on, you know, playing a song, and then I'd stop the song and then I'd record and I'd be like, this is, you know, pure DJ talk when I was about 12. Like, so I, I used to make tapes like that and give them to my sisters and my brothers if they wanted them. Like, uh, I'd say I probably owe my brother and my sister's money from when I was a kid, like, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Jesus, maybe I owe people apologies. I owe, I owe my wife. My sanity. Your life. <laughs> my enduring, everlasting love. You owe it to her. I owe my wife an awful lot. Yeah. I don't know about that question. Is it an interesting It's deep, it's deep. No, no, I'll no, no, with you. no, we'll no, no. Let's move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Deep we'll... as fuck is right. Welcome to the bonus <laughs> deep as fuck episode. <laughs> I don't do corporate gigs anymore, you know. 
And I've done a few where they've gone a bit arseways because people think they're ordering one thing and they're getting another. But you have to be true to the spirit of comedy. I remember I got complaints after a show I did in Scotland. You wouldn't know how they got your name or anything like that. But and you get up and you do your show and then, you know, they'd phone the the booking company said he was no longer suited. He was suited. Well, he wasn't suited for what we were trying to do, you know. About 10 years ago now, I don't know how these people got my name. Uh, but they were it was Caterpillar right the, the brand the, 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 oh yeah the, the, the biggest construction company machinery yeah. company in the world so they were having some global conference in Nashville Tennessee <sighs> for some reason they got my name do you know what I mean and your man phoned up he said I've, I'm a big fan of Tammy's could we get him over for this and you know uh, my wife said of course who's it for and so she asked for I mean, it was it's winning streak money. Nice. That's the size of the yeah. check now. You're yeah. talking about... You're taking a happy winning streak? Uh, yes. Yeah, going home to... No, no, jackpot no, job. Not change your life and you haven't... Got solid, the, got solid the, winning streak. You wouldn't, you, I'd say you, it's kind of you came second or third. <laughs> you could be down the end. Would you be waving at oh, the camera? Oh, you'd be waving. You'd yeah. be happy out. And like, would all the people behind be going, yes, with granny, the, yes. With your name written on yeah. the piece of paper. So a solid chunk of change. Solid chunk. You'd get a, you might get a, a car and a holiday, but that's about it. <laughs> right, I mean? yeah, nice. So yeah. a solid fucking check anyway. So I um, flew over and they said they're going to fly me, they're going to fly my tour manager and they're going to fly a fella doing sound. All of us, business class, from Dublin to Nashville, Tennessee. The gig was going to be in the Grand Ole Opry House. So we arrived in Nashville, we're staying in this beautiful hotel and uh, I meet the guy who's asked me to come over. He's a born again Christian. And he says, uh, you guys are in the entertainment industry. My brother is as well. He plays in a Christian band. You guys probably never heard of him, but he sold 3.9 million albums last year. Tommy, it's a real pleasure to meet you. I only have one condition. We have no blue language. And I said, that's, I know I took that to mean, so we do, I don't talk about sex and I don't curse. Mm. And I said, um, Joshua, that's not a problem. And he says, can we shake hands on that, sir? No Nothing blue. Can we? No bad language. Nothing's going to offend offend any of my bosses or any of the people we work with. Can we shake on that? And the real kind of southern <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of manners, you know, you get man me. to man. I said, I said, Joshua, we can fucking shake on that right now. Because as I was saying it, I couldn't foresee any of the problems that were to arise when the gig actually happened. <laughs> so <laughs> we shook hands on it. Went into the Grand Ole Opry House, had a kind of look around. We had the following day to ourselves. We went to the uh, the Museum of Country Music and the Museum of Country Music is fascinating because it shows you the evolution of it. So it started off as hillbillies. Hillbillies, toothless fellas sitting on Appalachian porches and it's songs of poor people. Mm-hmm. That's what country music started off. It was it was peasant music. It was people singing about how hard their fucking lives were and trying to have a little dance in between. And then it went into people like fucking... Uh, Johnny Cash and when country music turned rebellious and uh, uh, Waylon was it Waylon, Waylon Jennings, Waylon Jennings Waylon and yeah. fucking Merle Haggard mm. and they had all they had Merle Haggard's denim boiler suit that he wore when he got sent to prison for busting someone's face with a fucking axe or something so <sighs> real fucking tough men like singing country music straight down the line no bullshit this is how it is 
And then something happened in the 1980s when country music kind of got synergized with pop and it turned into Garth Brooks, God be good to me, he's probably a fine man. But it turned into almost kind of pop country. Billy Ray Cyrus. And everybody was fucking goody two shoes and it was just, it, something happened to country music mm. then and it missed that. So I'm watching, I'm, I'm looking at Merle Haggard's fucking denim boiler suit and I'm, he's a tough, hard drinking fucker. That's the real music. Anyway, cut to the gig later on. All the private jets from the owner of Caterpillar Australia, Caterpillar South Africa, Caterpillar, you know, Argentina. These are phenomenally wealthy men. And it's a junket. It's a fucking junket. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they've hired out the Grand Ole Opry House for this thing, right? For this kind of, um, they're, they're having meetings during the day and then they're coming to the Grand Ole Opry. How the fuck they thought I was going to be suited for this, I don't know. But anyway, so the show starts. They've had their meetings. The cigar, these are, you just know by the look of them, they're fucking wealthy. Beyond wealthy. They're the far side of fucking wealthy. They're so wealthy, they don't even have money anymore. They just point at stuff and they get it. It's fucking cigars. And I'm I'm on in front of this blues singer, uh, after a blues singer. Mm-mm. And she's beautiful, man. And she's singing. She's so fucking talented and she's singing all these songs. And there's the constant murmur of chat. No one's even fucking looking at her. But she's able just to get through the set and it's fucking, they don't give it. It's like she's a CD on in a fucking, in a restaurant. Typical corporate crowd. Just not fucking treating her right at all, you know. And I'm looking at them going, oh, for fuck's sake, lads, really? So, she finishes up. Joshua's there. Good luck, Tommy. You know, remember what we said now. You know, this is Christian country. No blue language. I said, Joshua, that is not going to be a problem. I went up there full of good intentions. I started doing my set, but I'm the same boat as the fucking singer. No eye contact with anybody. There's a constant murmuring. I'm trying to tell these stories that take a little bit of investment from the listener. Looking round at one another, it's like I'm not fucking there at all. But I'm not like her. I'm not able just to fucking able to close my eyes and get through the rest of the set. I'm talking to them. I want some sort of engagement with them. And what happened to me happened to me before. It happened to me one time in London where I was doing a corporate gig at Christmas time and uh, I was just being ignored. So I called them a bunch of cunts. I said, at that particular gig now, I'd come over from Galway over to fucking Tottenham Court Road and I just lost the fucking plot and I said, these are a bunch of cunts. Fuck the Queen and fuck... (laughs) Prince Charles and fuck everybody else and they started throwing coins at me right? coins coins when we get off the stage and I finished that particular show by going you can all go fuck yourselves my name is Andrew Maxwell good night (laughs) but I'm on stage anyway in Nashville and the same thing happens this I don't know what it is maybe it's a lack of humility maybe it's an overdose to the ego but I couldn't stand being ignored after coming all this way you know all the way from Galway to Nashville there's nothing off that. Ye bunch of fucking yellow truck driving cunts. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? You've raped the world. You've fucking, you've rode half the Amazon and the other half is fucking destroyed. You're the baddest bastards ever walked the world, you bunch of rich cunts flying in here in your private jets. Who the fuck do you think you are? Well, I had their attention then. Oh, Jesus. Right? Well, I had their attention and then I then... But I had them. 
Yes. And it was almost like the fact I called them cunts, they fucking loved it. Yeah. And every time I called them a cunt, I said it was like some fucking rich fella in the, in the dominatrix. <laughs> fucking <laughs> say it again, <laughs> call me another cunt. <laughs> I've never been called a cunt before. <laughs> they were loving it, and I just kept calling them cunts and cunts and cunty, cunty, <laughs> fucking cunts. Bad bastard, you're only a cunty. You're a cunty bunch of cunty cunts. <laughs> they were fucking loving it, right? And I'm on a roll now, so I'm able to flow into different bits of material, but always coming back to the cunt base. <laughs> but I'm able to toys about sex, and the show is going really well. Next thing, my tour manager, I'm flying like, my wings are out, I am fucking flapping, I have the room. My tour manager appears at my feet beside one of the speakers, and he's doing this thing with his hand, he's kind of slicing his hand across oh his neck. He's like, get the fuck off. Get off the stage, Tommy, get off the stage. And I'm looking at him going, are you crazy? This is one of the best gigs I've ever done in my life. Look at the cunts. The cunts love me. Don't just cunts. Yeah, we do, Tommy. We love you. We fucking love you. I'm flying, I'm flying. So Pierce disappears. He comes back a minute later. He's looking, he's lying. Sliding the hand across. No, Tommy, off. Get off, get off. No, I'm not getting off. I fucking do. Me material. Getting stretched. Material. I'm entering into one of these stories that has a mm. bit of kind of quietness and a bit of fucking tension in it. And I'm just there and then this happened. And I slow down to a nice little quiet bit and I hear a voice from the side of the stage. Joshua. And I hear him roaring at Pierce. Get him off the stage. Jesus Christ. Right? Nothing happens. I can, I'm not sure if the crowd can hear it. I fucking am rattling on with the quiet bit. Get him. I am going to lose my job over this. Get him off the stage. Jesus. <laughs> I feel so good, Lorena. I feel so good. The show is going so well. People don't. It's anarchy. People don't know what's happening. The, the, the staff are going around. What is happening? What the fuck is happening? It's fine. Next thing I hear the voice. Get him off the fucking stage! <laughs> and I said, that's all for me. Thank you very much and good night. Finish the gig. Pierce comes up to me and he says, we have to get you out uh, the side door. <laughs> now. <laughs> and um, I said, what about Joshua? Does he not want to say it all to me? <laughs> and he said, he wants to wring your fucking neck. My wife had been very clever. She said half the money was to be wired to our account before I left Ireland. The second half of the money was to be wired into our account before I stood on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) So so Pierce says to me, we have to leave through a side door. I said, has all the money got into the account? And he says, I just got a text from my mom and all the money is in the account. (laughs) I said, let's get the fuck out of here. So we, we escaped. I never saw Joshua again. I don't know how much trouble he got into uh, or didn't get into. And we spent that night. We went to one of these. We, we drove a little bit out of Nashville and uh, we found a bar. One of these, you know, you see it on TV shows where there's a kind of a porch mm. and there's a drive, a kind of a, mm. a, people can park their trucks, yeah. you know, real and it's dust. Yeah. One, of them, one of them type of bars. So we went in. And uh, I said, boys, I'll get this. The money is in the account. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'll get this round in. And I went up and I said, uh, can I have uh, three bottles of that beer? I'll take uh, 
three shots of that type of whiskey and uh, give me uh, three shots of tequila as well. And the fella says to me, do you have any identification? <laughs> I said, well, what, what do you mean? I have my fucking wallet with my credit card in it and I'd like to pay for this drink. And he said, sir, if you don't have identification in Nashville, Tennessee, I cannot serve you alcohol. And we were thrown out of the bar. Stop it. Are you serious? And not one of you had an ID with you? No. Ah, that fucking caterpillar boys. I want to know where Joshua is. Poor old Joshua, I don't know. Um, Caterpillar boys. And they enjoyed it though. They fucking loved it, Larita. It was because it was, I guess what was happening, I don't know why, but my sense of it was they live a life where people have been so polite to them. Mm. Now, they also do, they do rough business as well. Like, yeah, but they... Like, and they to be ruthless in business. Ruthless businessmen. Uh, and what I, the vibe I got at the time was they were just being thrilled at the fucking outlaw nature of this. They've mm. been called in the grand, of hiring the Grand Isle Opry and to have this kind of uncouth tramp calling them the worst name under the sun. And for some reason, they just they just got a kick out of it. And do you think in Nashville you can't like it, it was it was because it was in Nashville as opposed to if it was in New York or if it was or was it just their ethos of in what in the bar? No, it, you oh. doing the gig like if you were doing the gig in New York you to the same cursed. crowd, would you have been able to? Was it because you were in oh, Nashville? No. It's a it's no not, no it wasn't it wasn't because it was, it was the, in Nashville. It, it was, was because the guy the guy who was working for Caterpillar headquarters who got me yeah, to do the gig was Christian and they didn't want any of their, um, the people that work with them being offended in any way. And, <clears> but it was just, the, you know, t- to your, it's, it's the home of country music yeah. and you're, you're praising people like Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings and, and Johnny Cash and you're talking about how great outlaw country music is. But you won't give a man a fucking drink if he doesn't have a passport on him. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what the fuck's going on there? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, what Na- a store. Hey, Nashville, Tennessee. I love me caterpillars. Who was your first hero? Can you imagine the first person that you kind of went, wow. I know who mine was. Who was it? It was Kevin O'Neill from Knockmore. He was a footballer. For fuck's sake. I mean, talk about an inward looking <laughs> parish. <laughs> I was thinking of Gandhi now or... Jimi Hendrix, but now we're going straight. But like to we, that's we didn't see. We didn't have it. We huh? only had two channels when it's I was a child. It doesn't matter. You still had imaginations. Well, I, I was thinking, thinking of, of Brian. Ma- I was thinking of my first year was probably George Best. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, or fucking were... or, or Mario Kempes. Mario Kempes scored two goals for 1978 1978 World Cup final and he had long hair down to his shoulders like fucking in Argentina like Jim Morrison and, and he scored a goal in the final and he ran with the arms outstretched and thousands and thousands of streams of white paper fell on him you wouldn't see it as Christ is ascending to heaven it was just the most fucking and he was a hero of mine yeah. do you know what I mean and you're Kevin from fucking Tommy Tommy can I Tommy, Excuse we need me. to be accepting here. Let's be accepting. Yeah, and anyway, open your mind. Like, again, open open your mind to this. Paint a picture, Larita. Paint a picture of the man who was a hero to you growing up. <laughs> well, it was just maybe because, like, as I said, we had two channels and we didn't really... And was he on both of them? <laughs> no, he didn't, wasn't I? So I used to go over to the pitch and, like, play football with them and learn how to take frees and stuff and... And he was your first hero. Tell us who he was. And Kevin where, O'Neill. 
Well, from tell us about him. Where was did he, he come from and who he was his He won an All-Star when he was about 20. But tell me, where is his father's a farmer, his mother? Where, where do they live and who, who is he? He's from Knockmore. He's from, from lives in Foxford. And is he still the in the parish? parish? No, he lives in Dublin now, I think. Okay. How good was well, he? He was class and he was a left footer and he was... Like, like he was just a brilliant footballer, like, and I just like wanted to be like him. And was it a strange thing for you? You'd have been a girl of how old? I was probably about eight or nine or eight or nine, seven or that kind of age. Isn't like. that fantastic? So here you have this all-star footballer who's down yeah. on the pitch. Practicing, taking yeah, free. and he'd sometimes pick me up and let me go and like train with him, and I'd kick the ball out to him, and he'd pass it in, or I'd cycle over to the club and at the pitch, and I'd know he was going to be there or whatever. What and position that's did gorgeous. He play? Number thirteen, he was, and I always wanted to wear number thirteen, even though I was a right footer. So I was fifteen, really, on the pitch. God, how good! Like, I'll, I'll paint a picture here. We're GA fans, but we're not in-depth knowledge of Knockmore or Mayo back in the day. How good a footballer was he, and did he singly hand win like, win in, games? We had like an we had. An, Unbelievably good football team in the nineties. Like we had Porrick Brogan. You've probably I know heard Porrick, of him. the yeah. bomber. Like he was absolutely brilliant, and he then went on to the play bomber for Brogan. Dun- Tommy. He went on to play for Donegal as well. But like he was an excellent footballer. Uh, went to Jarlitz, all that. So he played number fifteen. Kevin O'Neill played oh, number Jesus thirteen. Christ. Raymond Dempsey was playing. Yes, Ray Dempsey. Fo- fo- that was the full forward line. Anyway, they were just brilliant. Then the other thing was sounds like a list of Fianna Gael fucking. I counselors. started. No, no, there's some legends there, Tommy. So then I used to like I. My other hero was David Brady and he played for Ballina. Big Brady And he in the used to the give park. me his jerseys and stuff but because he was from Ballina I had to kind of keep that quiet because you know that was that competition. Could, that could get you into trouble and not more. Yeah, exactly. Tommy looks like I'm he's about to in Tommy looks like he's about oh, to Tommy, get the fire lighter here and burn his eyebrows this off. This is Mayo people talking about Mayo legends. This is very... But like, they, I didn't really have... Like I love... I don't know. Like I didn't... I liked David Beckham then when he started playing soccer if yeah. that was... <laughs> I've heard of him. Like, mine number, wasn't number ex- fourteen. Mine wasn't like, uh, I don't know, not as glamorous sounding as yours. Well, it wasn't. It's not. I mean, it's it is a. There are two different types of heroes. I mean, and that's gorgeous. That of you as an eight or nine year old going down to the pitch kicking ball. I mean, that's so. I loved it. It was like absolutely all I wanted to do. Like it was. Was do that, just play football and, and do that. Um, were you? Would you've been on your own in terms of were lots of other girls your age doing it? Uh, not really. I I started playing football with the under sixes. Desi Rutledge was training the boys, and I said to him, "Can Hi, I come?" Desi Rutledge. Yeah, and I said, "Can I join? Can I start playing football yeah. with the boys?" So I did, and then girls started to come along. Desi, you started. A, you're playing. a trailblazer. Well, Marisha. yeah, I am. Yeah. And, but I think that's really beautiful. So there was me and Navin fantasising about Mario Kempes who was a yeah. professional footballer in Argentina. And all you had to do was walk down to your local pitch and you could see your hero. Yeah, I didn't have that I didn't have big I didn't have big dreams like that. That is why that is why Mayo is Mayo and the Ga is yeah. the Ga. I didn't have Well said, Hector. Uh, yeah. That's I mean I, I did, you, that, that's you, very well. I, mean, said. I didn't have a great imagination, I suppose, as a child. It was pretty you know pretty agricultural yeah. and just you were simple. You were simple. Simple. I was a very simple child. You were yeah. simple but it was just honest. Yeah. Uh, I about, can you remember who yeah, your first hero was? Elvis. Uh, what? No, your Elvis. very first one. No, let's go back. Let's go back to the late seventies. Oh yeah. The Greenhoff brothers. Jimmy Greenhoff and Brian Greenhoff. That's right. They, Stuart they, Pearson. Stuart Sammy now? McElroy. Steve Coppel. Oh, yeah. Sammy McElroy had a few points with him when they yes. came to go. The Manchester United team of the early, there's a guy called Remy Moses in the middle That's of the right. park. Arthur, he had a good Arthur Alveston. Arthur Alveston. Play, and so 
my real started getting real superstar stuff then Brian Robson I was Man United mad in the early 80s uh, and those Man United guys just having their posters when you get that magazine and you'd, you'd get your it's you called Shoot or Match yeah, in the Day I and had you'd get Match the, it was just good Match and you'd get the double picture yeah. in the middle and Every you'd Saturday. pull it out whip it out and just sell a tape onto the wall in yeah. the bedroom or onto the wardrobe there had been 19 different ones on the wardrobe but class Gary can Lineker you, class can you remember now many years after that we both of us had the opportunity but you tell me what yours was like where that particular the team of that era came to Galway to play a legends football match and you you got to tog out with those them boys. Now that was what, what was that like Sammy McElroy was, was very friendly really cool lovely lad from the moment we, we met Nigel Davenport was playing that day <laughs> yeah, there was some big names there that day in, in, in uh, Terryland I remember I had a few points that night with Sammy McElroy, and I, I, I and you fucking you like, and I also remember the day um, that Ken Doherty and Steve Davis were doing a, a, a charity yeah. snooker match, yeah. and they played myself and Hector in a frame, <laughs> and there was what like, we grew up watching fucking Steve Davis Steve win Davis. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a moment in the, the match <laughs> where I just fucking realised it. Right, so Hector was on a break of about eleven or. <laughs> Or or nineteen or something, right? Yeah. And he was fucking look, walking, walking around the table, right? And the the two ex professionals were fucking sitting, the silver professionals, and Eric was chalking the queue and looking at angles and taking and out the rest of, and and putting it down and then fucking looking. And then he was fucking queuing up on a break of nineteen, like he'd been on the table for about eight minutes. I, on a break of nineteen, and he was he was trying to cue the blue in. He was going to blue. Will he split? Will he split the pack or play for the loose red? He couldn't decide. He couldn't decide. And, and then, so he's he's queuing up. And I just turned to him and I says, Hector. Now we were mic'd up so the audience could hear the banter like, I said, Hector, did you ever think this day would come? And I went, he went, what? And I said, Steve Davis is watching you play snooker. Wow. Not a fucking wow. moment. That is class. I have the photo of the four of us, like you do for the for the press shot one, with the handout and the cue. Where four of us are down at the top of the table. There's me, there's Tommy, there's Ken Doherty, and there's Steve Davis. It was and amazing. I stuck my tongue out on one of the breaks. I just went, <laughs> like Davis did you, does. Did I you put him off when you said that then? Not at all. I had, the, the moment had to be acknowledged that yeah, we, that big, we yeah. grew up watching wow. him and now Steve, he was watching the us. The nugget, the nugget, the that Romford nugget. The, so, um, the, oh, I, so, do I feel really I feel like I've had such a narrow life as well no you, know? you haven't no, you're thinking no, about no, that no, like, there's no. beauty How in what you were describing like? no the way the way the way you answered when he asked the question you didn't even think about it you said it from your heart yeah and Larita don't ever lose that no don't ever ever lose ever lose that I would have grown up watching so the uh, I would have fallen in love with the Liverpool team of that same era so, so and when the the charity match the soccer match that we're talking yeah. about the Liverpool team were there and I got to play with them so I got to play with and even if, when you watch old footage of matches from 77, 78, 79 say that Liverpool team won the European Cup a few times people like Jimmy Case Alan Kennedy Phil Neal John Wark they were all they're all on that old footage and I got a chance these men that I fucking looked up to when I was and I used to remember this is back in the day now when the European Cup wasn't shown on television and you had to tune into fucking Radio Luxembourg or uh -huh. BBC Radio to hear audio mm. of a fucking Liverpool match playing Stau Bucharest yeah. in the fog in 1981 and there I was togged out with them 
but it was too. I was too intimidated by. Were you? I was just going to ask you. Well, were you nervous when well, you were no, there? No, I tell you what happened, Risha. The, the match happened and it was all fine and good. And then I was in the fucking the the showers. Oh. I could not get over the size of John Wark's Mickey. <laughs> now John Wark was a Monstra. Scotsman, Monstra. a Scotsman, uh, a tough, tough, tough footballer. Centre back. This was back in the day when centre backs had they fucking no. They're missing their two front teeth and they'd fucking, they'd head a breeze block yeah. through a fucking tree. They were just <laughs> tough fucking rugged men. And it, here they were in their late 40s, still fucking, still John Walks Scotland, still like, fuck yeah. You the fucking, yeah, the fucking, all the boys were all, we all took off all our Walkie, they called them, Walkie. We all took off all our clothes and we're getting into the fucking shower after the match and there's fucking, there's lads bouncing off ties, there's boys in the smell nip. Smell of, smell of sweat, winter And green. then, then, everything goes fucking quiet when John Walk steps into the shower. You wouldn't fucking see it on the arcs in Lord of the Ring. <laughs> So oh, did you shower with your underpants on? Oh, Jesus, I, oh, I never, I, and I, oh, if I'd have known then, what well, I fucking know now, he was a tremendous, that's a my, tremendous member. That's my, that's my memory. <laughs> and what, were you just staring at us? Where everyone was everyone. staring at, he, he practically got a fucking round of applause when he walked into the shower, Larissa. Men were stepping back, make way for John Walks, Mickey! Get back! Get back! It, he was in Get one shower. Yeah. He was in one shower, and his Mickey was in another. <laughs> sure, I, I'm not joking, Rita. His, his, his Mickey had separate fucking. It was togged out in his own fucking shorts and socks. <laughs> he was number eleven, and his Mickey was number twelve. That's the fucking truth of it now. I'll never get over this. I was a John Walks Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's funny now when you see people in showers and you see the dynamic that people will go in in their boxers and they'll go in in their jocks. Actually. Oh, they do, yeah. Young lads will do this now. They don't shower no, really naked? No, no, What? No, they don't. An Why? awful lot of lads will be... Them, I didn't know the, that The likes of them lads never gave a shit. The shower was as important to them, wasn't it? Was And, and, and the when ladies football now, they'd all be in the nip. Well, you see, we had a problem. No, We, we only ever, there was no showers. Tur- nobody turned on the heat for us. So we never, like for a warm shower, so we just didn't have showers. Oh, I can imagine you all in after a match and there's only cold water. Oh, can you imagine like a fucking tribe of squaws just fucking... And boys listening in against the fucking the pebble dash wall in the far side of the dressing room going, can you hear them? And tell us about, tell tell us, would you share the shampoos or what, what, what way does it work? We just bring our own showers. So, but, so you you don't uh, do no community uh, showers. No, there is. There, oh yeah, it'd be yeah, just the same dressing room. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like when I when we played football in Boston, um, there used to be individual showers, so mm. you could. That's an American thing, I suppose. Probably, yeah. You know. So we were. I, I, I preferred that to be honest. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we had our own showers there, and then you'd come out in your towels, and you'd be trying to make sure you were the towel didn't drop. You know, in case someone caught a glimpse of your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> your vagina. <laughs> yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We were about 250 miles outside Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia and I can only describe just open space. It was just snow and ice everywhere. No buildings, no nothing. No roads. So you can drive across. There's no fields. You just drive everywhere. There's no, it's just tracks. So about 200 miles out we were going to this family to stay in a traditional Mongolian yurt. Minus 35. Evan had wow. found this guy on the internet. Nara was his name. He was a farmer. Mongolian nomadic farmer. A herder. And after about eight hours of three jeeps driving in the middle of nowhere with no roads across snow and frozen lakes, frozen rivers and up over crevices and down into valleys. What was the sky like? The sky was just a complete expanse. Expanse. And the, 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 the lights on our jeep weren't great. And the lights on the front jeep were good. And we were following him like an expedition. I can't explain to you, like, it's just this feeling of open space. I mean, four million people live in Mongolia. And it's ten times, twenty times the size of France. In my head, though, I didn't you think there would be snow on there or it would be... Oh, for six, par- six months wow. of the year. September, winter starts. It doesn't finish till May. I mean, Mongolian winter... And Ulaanbaatar is enshrouded in smog from the cold That's not for a short summer, in fairness. That's a, but they, by Jesus, <laughs> they, that's when they have the Mongolian derby and all this. Yeah. So finally, we're eight hours in the back of an old land cruiser and we get to this homestead. You can see the lights in the distance. Three yurts side by side on the side of a hill. And the smoke was enveloping up into the sky. Outside was a couple of cows for milking. This was their winter pasture area dogs and these simple tents wrapped like you'd see at the electric picnic glam tents wrapped in a circular form with a middle part of it and the smoke coming out the chimney in the middle and when we arrived there was great commotion and hullabaloo out of one tent about 30 people to come out Stop. one family kids running out ah they were all the old grandfather came out they were so welcoming and all of a sudden we were ushered into a yurt And we closed the door because it was minus 35. And this is what, and that's what I'm on about, that feeling of home and what a homestead means and getting inside the door. 
We were going, we're going to fucking freeze to death here. We're going to freeze to death. But inside that tent was the most amazing circular dwelling that I've ever seen in my life where all generations of one family can live under one mm. roof completely and utterly self-sufficient and in all, the middle of Mongolia. They all sleep in... Yes, in, in a circular area. Wow. And the granny and the granddad and the mother and the father and the children are all round in a circle. Communal. And as the yeah. mother walked in, we never yeah. copped it. The mother walks to the right in the yurt. She never goes to the left. She stays to the left or to the right. There's a small little sink, small little tiny cooker, gas cooker. And in the middle, there's the table area and, and, the, and the chimney and the stove. And everything is built around the foreign edges of the circle. And in the corner, they had a little mini Wi-Fi box and a tiny little portable TV. They had an old little stereo one area. They have the dressing table with all the photographs of the family. They have a little sort of a larder area on the right-hand side. And nobody, and nobody is allowed to touch the fire inside the yurt except the boss of the house, which is the woman of the house. Men are not allowed to touch the stove. Men are for outside. Men are for outside. They are not allowed to tend to the fire. And so this was all a whole new world for us going, we are going to sleep. We're going to spend two days and two nights with a Mongolian family in the middle of nowhere. It's minus 35. I have never experienced such happiness and warmth, warmth, not only from, from the fire, but when we sat around, they had all these cups of tea ready for us, big pot of tea, and their tea is milky with cow's milk, loads of spoons of sugar, and these little sweet... Is it nice tea? Oh, beautiful, but what, milky. Very, very, oh, very right. milky. And what? And in terms of language, was there any communication Nara that spoke way? English, and then he translated. He, was, okay. he had gone to university in Ulaanbaatar, so he wanted to go away from nomadic farming. He wanted to get away to the big city, but when he got to the city after university, he said, no, I want to go back to my people. And did they, what crater did they follow across the land? Like if they were nomadic? They followed the sun and they followed the pasture land. So for winter, they would hole up with a lovely bit of shelter and they were so smart. They were over the brow of a hill and down in a little valley a little bit so that the snowdrifts couldn't come in. Mm. And what animals were there? Cows, cows, little loads of calves and that was it. They and were did herders. they eat them? Ca- did they cattle. eat them? Yeah, well. they slaughtered their own. And the beautiful thing was the age group of the kids there was the granny, the grandfather. They're all healthy. They're probably well into their 80s, sprightly. Yeah. There was the mother and the father, Nara and his wife. And then they had three children. They had a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old and a little four-year-old, a three-year-old. The 14-year-old was being picked up for school the next day. And to see her getting ready with her backpack. And she healthy as a fish. And I said, Nara, what's happening? Because she's off to school now. She wouldn't be seen for five to six weeks. Wow. Because the school was so far yeah. away. It was about seven hours that way. And tell me, in terms of... Um, Imagine that saying goodbye to your 14-year-old. Yeah. And they just all get in the back of the... And what about the younger ones? Did the younger ones stay around. And it was funny because I just missed the ceremony for the youngest one. When they get to the age of three, their hair is shaved off completely, boy or girl. And it's a massive ceremony for the family. They sit down at night time and they completely shave the hair of the child off. And they all keep locks of it, loads of it. That's the so grandfather beautiful. would have it in the pocket. And they were... They, and, and what was that, good luck? Or it's what just it? a Mongolian tradition that the child is entering the next next area. The grandfather was never so proud of his children and he was so fascinated that we had come from the whole way from Europe, from Ireland. And the smile out of him and he ushering food towards me as she cooking and more tea and they were just so generous and so nice. And would, would, would they have been Muslim? 
Uh, no, I think they're art. No, it's it's a, it's a it's an Orthodox Christian, isn't orthodox it? Orthodox Christian. I think yeah. it's spread down from Russia, from yeah. Siberia. Uh, I don't think they're Muslim. And tell Muslims. me this then: in that kind of communal sleeping area, if mom or dad or even granny and granddad wanted the dart, how would they? Yeah. How that? How was that done? That's the circle of life. It's just done for the slide, a little slidey, little sly, little quiet under the sheets, little dart. But that thing then... Don't make much noise. Yeah, if you were a child... Hand on, hand on the mouth, little spoon. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> But if you were a child, then you the, the sex isn't some kind of forbidden no. secret. It's as natural as watching a, really a bull and a cow. It. You mm. could look over and you could see Daddy rising above majestically into the Mongolian air and he just... Mm, Mm. Really? Yeah, I suppose they'd be open about to it. To see the way the mother entered the Mongolia, uh, in the, the yurt and moved to the right. And I just, and then they said, we, we, we sat there all night, we swapped stories. The child, I have photographs of this beautiful Mongolian little girl who just had her hair shaved. And she, by the end of it, she was getting, she was quite scared of us in the beginning. And then didn't I give her a Murphy's GA hat because she was freezing. <laughs> I, did, I had a Murphy's GA hat so I gave it to the child and she put it on and the grandfather was so happy so happy I have great photos of him when we left after two days but then about 12 o'clock at night we were there going right lads we're shagged we're let's sleep under the Mongolian stars and Nara said come I'll show you where we're going and his wife brought us outside and they had a sort of a guest yurt right an excess yurt for us so we were like going, this is fucking boys can bring in the bags. And outside was bright, bright skies, stars, frosty, snow, minus 35, but you didn't feel it. But the minute we opened the door of the second yurt, the wave of heat hit us wow. from the stove. What did they burn? Timber. And, the, and he said to us specifically, he said, do me a favour. Under no circumstances to touch the stove. Do not tend to the stove. My wife will care for the fire throughout the night. Throughout the night? Throughout the night. Every four or five hours she come in and she put in the blocks. Now I'm telling you, minus 35 outside, we're on the other side of the planet in one of the most remote parts of the world and we slept Oh, he was getting into bed with me. With me, Helly Hansen, long jaws, and I was putting on this and I was putting on that top. Okay. And I had a long sleeve and then I had a sleeping bag and then she had lovely warm blankets over us and then we had a quilt over that and then we had another one. After about 20 minutes, I was going, I'm fucking too hot, boys. <laughs> too fucking hot. I sleep in the nip. I was stripping off. I was stripping off because their warmth inside the yurt was amazing. We slept like babies until Roscoe got a little bit of an upset stomach. Oh. Because as we left Ulaanbaatar, he had to squirt in the yurt. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit more than that. As we left Ulaanbaatar, about fourteen hours before that, the afternoon, that afternoon, didn't we stop at one of the last outposts, leaving the city, where Nara, who was leading the expedition, said, "I need to get." grain, I need to get this, I need to get diesel, I need to get a compressor and I need to get some food. And, he, and right beside it was a little sort of a local Mongolian fast food place where he said, this is where we get some hot food before we leave because we had a nine hour journey. It's not as if you can go into the apple green and get a fucking chicken roll. Do you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, you're eating different food. So I ordered one thing, Roscoe ordered another, Nara ordered his thing and we said, Nara, yeah, he said, they're fine. Whatever Roscoe ordered. What's the safest thing to order in a place of that now? Rice. I'd be thinking of, yeah. Yeah, rice. Nothing that has ever been alive. No, no. Yeah, no, no, definitely it, it's not. It's just the flavours are completely different. So Roscoe, he, Roscoe's a good stomach. And he, whatever he ordered, God bless the young lad, it didn't sit with him. It sat with me and Evan all through the evening and the food we had in the Mongolian oh, yurt was yo. beautiful. But Roscoe woke at about two in the morning and he said to me, 
I could hear him go, he said, Hector, right? I feel sick. And I said, Jesus Christ, you're right, you're right, man, because we want to watch each other on the trip. I said, yeah, 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 you're right. He says, just help me out, will you? I think I'm going to puke. So it's like minus 35 outside, and we're like babies inside. And you can't go out in the nip, but you can put on your fucking jacket, put on your jeans. He said, oh, oh. I think I'm going to get sick, so we try to get dressed, putting on your boots. Well, we burst the door of the yurt open, and I said, you can't puke around the fucking yurts. Come on, up with me. And I, sort of, I hooched him up my shoulders, I walked him up, up behind a corral where it was all, mm, oh, the were, cows and the cows delicious. were looking at us, and everyone was nice and quiet. Three in the morning, and next minute I could hear Ross go. Bleh. I said, "Don't be puking here. Come up, come up." So we went to a fence. Didn't the two dogs and the yurts fucking wake? Oh no! I could hear go, the one dog go. I said, "Shut up! Shh. Come here, boy. Come here. Come here." Didn't want to wake anyone. Ross goes above at the above underneath the Mongolian, and he puking away at this little fence, and he's like, oh. "Did the dogs come up and eat it?" Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Didn't the two dogs come up and start lapping up the pool? Ah, oh, lads. Rough it's, country, rough no, country. No, and then didn't I say to Roscoe, and it was all coming out his oh, nose. Stop, I can't and take going, this. I said, get it up, Roscoe, get it up. Next minute, underneath it, the dog was like, oh, Tell me this. And I said to the dog, well, it's not one not, but this is the circle of life in Mongolia. And I thought it was a beautiful circle of life. And Roscoe said, will you shut up? And I stopped where, puking, I can't stop laughing. Where, where did and they the go to the toilet right? in, in Mongolia? Uh, a little... They have, a little, they have a little. They just go outside into the air, into the air, into the air, into up the up. Uh, yeah. And what would they use to clean themselves? A, huh? Would they have? What they use to clean to- themselves? No, they have toilet paper. They have. Yeah, you just have a little toilet paper on a post <laughs> or something. But just so much open wow. space. But the family in the circle, when you go inside that door to see how how amazing a family can live yeah. in such a remote part of the world in a tent in minus 35 where there was harmony and happiness and beautiful people. I'll never forget the time I slept in a yurt in Mongolia. Well, I watched a documentary about the reindeer people of some fucking far-flung Usmenistan in, in Russia. And what was... These people lived according to the reindeer. They were called the reindeer people. When the reindeer moved, they moved. The reindeer set the pace. Right. So when the reindeer slept, they slept. And they would have eaten reindeer and used reindeer for their clothes, reindeer for their tents. Mm. But they were just totally tuned in. They were uh, living in a kind of a, an, an, what's a, a synergy with these beasts. And this fellow made it, he, he spent some time with them. He says, I'm going to follow you for a year. And the man says, totally fine, but you know, when the reindeer go, we fucking go, you know. And with the most amazing scene, and I've never forgotten it. So you're talking about a, a tribe of people of, of all ages. They come to this river, fuck me. It was like the M50 of water. It was just fucking, it wasn't flowing boatways now, but it was <laughs> flowing the one way. And turbulent and fucking strong, no problem to the reindeer. The reindeer just kind of fucking hooching across it maybe going up to their chest maybe doing a bit of swimming but fucking splashing and they're getting out the far side and the hooves mm. on the rocks and the water bouncing up and the reindeer people fucking they, they let the beast go ahead of them and then they fucking went except for one owl lad and it was his 88th winter and he knew in himself he wasn't fit for the crossing and the family knew and the tribe knew that he had crossed the river for the last time the year before and he had not crossed it this year. So 
he found himself a little nook and a cranny and he sat there. And the rest of the tribe, they didn't say goodbye to him. There was no big fucking ceremony. There was just, we leave him there now. And they left him there to die. While they fucking travelled on. And you could see the guy making the film. You know, you could see he was... Well, I leave him there. Like. He was kind of, he, he was shooting the granddad or whatever the fuck he was. Oh. And then he was, he was shooting the tribes people and he was kind of going. And a he's circle in, of life. And he followed the tribes people. And uh, there's a, there's footage of it. Um, I think, I'm almost sure the documentary is called The Reindeer People. And Complete practicality and there. Just, like but, they, but also for the owl lad to be, to be, he wasn't distressed. So wise that this is it. But yeah, but there was no kind of, there was no panic. There was no, it was so ordinary in a sense. He was going, I'm not fit for this crossing. No, I'm not. And he just waited there to die. And I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, he can't follow them. He, he, he wouldn't have been able to cross the river. Wouldn't have been able for it. It would have been too cold, too much of a shock to his sister. Maybe he was a little bit sick already. But they left him oh. blankets and he fucking sat there. And the fellow making the documentary was doing the voiceover and we left him there to die. And they'd never see him again. See, that's, Incredible. That's, that, that toughness of those people. Uh, we, we, like outside the, outside the yurt, at six, we woke up early that morning in Mongolia, the first morning. I could hear the rattle of steel buckets. I could hear cattle baying in the distance. And I walked out of the yurt to try and get dressed again for a new day. And there was the mother sitting on a stool milking the cow. Off in the, in the tough woman and I tough at six o'clock in the morning and she had a smile and she was kts, 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 and she just smiled at us was that like Ireland life, 80 years ago yeah good, yeah, but it just shows you on this fucking great planet of ours no more than the reindeer people that there's some amazing places and amazing people that was so so like Ireland not even I remember in the 1970s we went to the beach in Betty's turn and uh, fucking on the drive back to Navin just left me granny there today Left her at the beach. Left her at the beach, yeah. We gave her a few blankets. That was it. She'd never make the cross over Dulik again. She'd never cross Dulik again. We said and she her, knew it. She, and she knew it. She was happy to sit there. She happy out sitting there in the blanket and she had the, the it was the, uh, some, she's mad for the tabloids. It would have been the Sunday Mirror at the time or the people, the news of the world. She's the news of the world. Yeah. Sat there on the deck chair and she left her there to die. That was it. And you never saw her again. Yeah, because we were the Hillman Hunter people. <laughs> I want to ask you, my friends... What have you taken and inherited from your mother and your father? What is in you that your mother has given you and that your father has given you? Because I think that's something unique in this country. What have you on board in this life that we lead that your mother or your father, whether they're still alive or long passed away, may God be good to them. What have they given you in this journey we called life? I think... From my mother, I got you don't it. have to close your eyes, Larita. It's okay because I just have this. From my mother, it's I not think. a meditation fucking app. I've just threatened what's coming it? out of his mouth. What are you saying? From my father and from the whole Tiernan side of the tribe, great sociability, yes, and and wisdom. My father has has good wisdom, and as he's a he's a, a I didn't pass and that his sociability and the the Tiernans have got great. They're great. Is people that to, where you get it, Tommy? The Tiernans are great people to drink porter, to tell stories, to have a laugh, and be ordinary and grow moustaches and live around at Lowen. They're just <laughs> that's what the Tiernans are, and the Tiernans are connected to the West and Mayo and Lewisburg and Kilmain and. Horses in the GAA and my granduncle Pat set up the first 
primary school ever now in, in the county of Mayo now so I have a great that's what I get from the Tiernans it's just sociability and from my mother's side of the family I get a tremendous fucking darkness I get tremendous fuck. I get dark eyes I get the ability to be fucking quiet and sit in a corner looking at the wall for eight days in a row from my mother's side of the family I get fucking war I get belligerence I get tremendous power of fucking unpredictability and badness from the mother's side of the family I just get this fucking everything is not alright that's what I get and it's the marriage of those two energies that makes me into the special little man that I am (laughs) That's very deep, Tommy. No, that's exactly, yeah, that's great. So what do you get, Hector? No, and now let's go to Loretta. Well, well. I'm, I'm going to close my eyes here because <laughs> I love this bit. You see, unlike Tommy, I have full Mayo blood. So it's full of that just openness and yes. happiness. You're, and li- you're like a meal with only one ingredient. Yeah. Flower. You're like the Niagara waterfall of Mayo blood flowing into a big channel between you and your yeah. parents. Yeah. A vessel. Aren't, aren't we, aren't we everything our parents, look at, I mean, you know, I mean, the other bits just come along after, but our decency, our basic human beings is coming from a mix of our parents, isn't it? I'm, that like... Well, everything like, your parents struggle with, you will struggle with too. Welcome to episode 25. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we're gone down. No, 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 this what, is, this what, no but like, what I qualities suppose, do you get from them? Qualities, like, uh, my mother would be such a good-natured woman all her life and yes. generous and just accepting of everyone and looking after people that were less fortunate than her and always making sure that they were fed and watered and yeah. looked after and nice and generous and her mother was like that and I want to be like that. Yes. I You are, you are. I, I, I strive yeah, all the no, time. No, she sort of bitch. She was begging no. for us. <laughs> so that nice, decent, that like just warmthness and generousness. My mother was generous to a fault. I can feel it off you. I can feel it. Um, I feel that like I am feel very generous to others as well all the time. I just yeah. feel like I want to have that. And then... My father was just a very, you know, he is, got his vaccine the other day. We were all partying in Knockmore. But um, he, you know, just my father would be good cracking up, you know, just they're very both open and and friendly and 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 nice. And and I and I like that. I'm I want to take all the good qualities and have them as part of me. I don't like I don't like to be. expending my energy on being nasty or mean to other people or just I, I just want to be nice and fun and full of character and my my mother's brothers would have a great uh, turn of phrase and they'd be very witty and quick with that like crack like and I love nothing more than going back to my two uncles who are bachelors sitting there with them and the crack out of them and the and you know be ordinary decent men that would you know just have a very simple plain life out of doing a bit of farm and one of them do you retired from a bit of building go for a couple of pints at the weekend and just porn a bit of porn <laughs> Tommy 
And Tommy, just, please. Just Tommy, ha- I'm fucking, this is, I'm crying yeah. here. This and is pure mayo. And just like. It's fucking beautiful. You know, Keep simple, 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 yes. like a life. And just sitting in amongst them and having a couple, like I love on Christmas Day when you go back to their house and they said, they don't even ask you what you want to drink. They give you a glass of whiskey. B-52 bomber, is it? Hang on. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's the cross McGlenn fucking they, GAA team arriving. <laughs> they drop me off and they're picking me back up. But they, uh, they give you a glass of whiskey and then they give you a bottle of Heineken and just another glass of whiskey and you're like, wow. You know, wow. that lovely... I just love it. I love it. It's yeah. just, I feel that that's where I'm from and that's who I am, oh, you know? Beautiful. What a, I, what a great inheritance and, and, and I hope you're confident in what they've given you. Confident that to be that good is a great way to be in the world. Job. Yeah, and I'm trying to learn to be more, you know, confident in myself. Sometimes you're very critical of yourself. Oh, I'm not sure I can do this. Like, but I think that comes with a bit of age and a bit of wisdom and just seeing them, though, how like they don't, they just have such simple lives and it's just perfect for them and they're happy. Like, yeah, Hector. Yeah. I could feel some energy off you there and I really, really think you're, I, I love Mayo people. I fucking mean this. You're a mighty Mayo person. Yeah. I could really feel a lot from you there. Yeah, Seamus Moore is a song called The and, Mighty, and, and Mi- Tommy, Mighty Man. Would you answer the, your yeah, question? Go on. And, and Tommy. Go on, answer your question. Mickey Keoghan and Trina Larkin Keoghan. One from Tune, one from Navin. My father gave me a little cocky walk because he'd have a suit on him down the middle of the town. And I, it's a little quick walk. And he would give us, he was a cocky J. Good-looking, dark-haired, blocks man. He was the conversation in the shop when he was measuring lads up for suits was just banter, quick, quick turn of phrase and football and GA and everything. And he was just a popular man round his peers in Navan and a popular man round the town. And he had an inherent love of having five matches on a Sunday. We'd have our first match at three o'clock. We'd drive to Robinstown for a junior C match at six. And then we'd be over in Dundry for another junior B match at about eight o'clock on a Sunday. And he would be football, 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 football. And he's given me... An abounding passion for football. What type of... Uh, for uh, GAA. We've had a real mean accent. Yeah, Navin, Navin, Navin. Navin. But like he would... Like love if, you're, if you're to do like, come on, we're going to the match. Is no, it, no, is it, no, no, he wouldn't be Navin, town, town, but he'd be, he'd be, be me. But he, what he would love would be going to the outposts to watch me club football. We're going to Dundry. Where are well, we going? So you'd watch any We're club. going to Marthry Harps. We're going to, we're going to Trim. We're going over to Column Kills. We're going over to Greeka. Central Town are playing the Yellow Forge. We're going up the... There you go. <laughs> yeah. going, hey, what's the matter? Come on. And then we'd all be in the car. And my mother, he'd be driving the car. I've... He loved having a little scratch when he'd drive the car. And my mother would scratch the inside of his, of his leg. Not... Yeah. She would put, she'd just scratch him on a Sunday yeah. as we drove to these places. And as a child, I'd be looking in going, how lucky is that? He's getting a lovely scratch there. And I know that I love getting a scratch when I'm stressed or I'm fucking whatever. I just need somebody to just scratch my head or my shoulder. And my youngest boy as well really relaxes when I just give him a lovely scratch. Listen, all right, listen, we talk about stuff and I just give him a scratch at the back of his neck. He's watching telly or around his shoulder area. And I think I've inherited that from him. But my father was a popular Navin man, very proud guy man. And ab- able to h- handle 
a crowd in the sense that he was able to be the sen- able to tell a story. Absolutely. Able to in the Navan O'Mahony's clubhouse yeah. or in Horns and Dunderry or in Beacons and Robinstown. Nothing more than after the match to be in there holding court with a couple of points of Guinness and all the boys are in. I've taken that from him. But I firmly... But, all, but, but also, like, working in the shop in town. Oh! No one, everyone, People yeah. coming in, people from, all coming all in. People well. coming in from all over me to talk football and get me- measured up for a new suit. A new suit back in the day was the greatest thing apart from a new fucking car. If yeah. you got a suit, it was such a big thing. What do you think of this new club, Simon's Town, about the race course? Huh? New Navin club, new Simon's Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never met their manies. They never met a Jackson Kiernan next door. Oh, my Jackson Kiernans. But my mother, uh, my grandmother died. Uh, I never met my grandmother, but she, by all accounts, was a wild woman from the far side of Tume where she would go round different houses on a high nelly. She loved a nip of whiskey and she would sing songs and tell stories. Nan Larkin. And anyone I've met from Tume who met her and who know her goes, Hector, I know where you got it from. But she loved calling to rural houses on a high nelly, nip of whiskey, chats, conversations, and she'd sing a song. I never got to meet her. Um, she passed away before we got to meet her. But uh, I think I've got, I've got the wildness of Tume from my mother. But I think we've all inherited something from our fathers and our mothers. And I can see it coming out in both of you. And it's a pleasure and an honour to hear your conversation today. I think I'm going to get fucking emotional here. Under boys! Under Rita, look! There's Louisa, you were there with your hands going, there's something me father's giving like fucking positivity coming out of you there yeah. with me. Oh. Breeding out of me. Love it. So speaking about Ed Sheeran, and I was always wondering about this, ye featured in his video. The Galway, Galway girl, girl, yeah. In O'Connell's, is it? Yes. How did that come about? Did you know him or? This is pure fucking Galway. This is how our Irish Ireland is. In normal circumstances, an agent would be phoned, an agent would phone an agent, a publicist would phone a publicist, a fee would be agreed, a fucking insurance form would be fucking sent out. There'd yeah. be all types of, I can't remember. What happened was a fellow who owned a fucking garage in Galway phones Hector going... A garage? He owns a garage and he rang me on a... What are you doing tonight? No, no, <laughs> no, tell me it was a Sunday night. He rang me and he goes, if I tell you something and I ask you something, do you think you can do it? And you might have to sign an NDA. I said, it's fucking eight o'clock on a Sunday evening. What's wrong? And did you, you know this fella? Sort of knew him, yeah. His, they did a long-standing family garage business in Galway he said do you think Tommy and yourself could do something I said you're going to have to give me some more information about what you want us to do let's just say somebody's coming to Galway with a crew to film something would you and Tommy be available I was going oh, for fuck's sake man who wants to be a millionaire is on what the fuck are you worried oh, what? what this is Galway this, this is like five years ago what's fucking wrong Tell me who it is and don't be acting a maggot. It's a Sunday evening. He's there. I can't tell you who's coming to Galway. I was there. For fuck's sake, man. Jesus Christ. I can't ring Tommy and say, he said, please, please, please don't tell anyone. Somebody's going to come and film a video. I said, is it Beyonce? Beyonce. Is it Jay-Z? I said, who the fuck? Is it fucking the Foo Fighters? Who the fuck is going... Don't please say this lad owns a garage. He sells cars during the week. He owns a fucking garage by the week he's selling cars. And next minute he's ringing me on a Sunday night. Can you get Tommy and yourself to turn up in a place on the Tuesday evening? I said, don't be silly, man. I'm not ringing Tommy, you fuck. I can. To say what? 
we have to go somewhere. We don't know what we're doing. Oh, God, please, 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 please don't fucking breathe a word because if it gets out, we're fucked. He wants to film around the streets of Galway through the night for 14 hours, nobody to know about it. I said, Jesus Christ, man, will you fucking tell us what's happening? He said, Ed Sheeran is coming to film a video with Saoirse Ronan in Galway and they want you to be in it. I said, what do you mean? They want you and Tommy to do a fight scene in a pub. <laughs> I ring Tommy and then what did you think? So Hector phones me and I say, ah, nah, fuck us, no, you're grand. <laughs> Sorry. You're yeah, grand. Right, I said, no, I won't bother. Thanks for asking, no bother anyway. So I go back to, back to the dinner table and the whole family are gathered around. Who was that? I was Hector. What did he want? I wanted me to be in an Ed Sheeran video. <laughs> fucking utter fucking silence. What? He wanted myself and Hector to be in his video for Galway Girl. What did you say? Ara said no. I said I'd prefer just to hear do nothing of evening. And then the fucking they all went Go! Fucking go! <laughs> so that's how I went. So it? Tuesday Tuesday at about nine o'clock we said for himself park up the cars at the Great Southern and we sauntered up right there's about 40 security outside O'Connell's pub. There's fucking gates and it's like the Olympics with the amount of hoarding outside, keeping fans away from it, clamouring because word is out that he's filming around the city in all these different locations. It was like the miniature version of the Oscars. We were walking into O'Connell's pub and there was fa- anxious fathers with ki- ch- children in from fucking Portumna and fucking place like that. Ah! When somebody opened the door of O'Connell's, people would go, ah! There's fathers standing back with high-vis jackets on mobiles going, we're here anywhere in the city anyway. They come in from fucking Ahaskar and Kilrikel and fucking Balance Low. Ah, I saw him! I swear to God, he's in there! He's in there! Oh my God, he's in! Oh, there's a Hector! Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, we were like, for Get us in the door. So we got in the door and it was just like a full-blown video set in the back. The worst thing about it though was that, that so what they do is so Ed has been followed or he's following Saoirse Ronan around this fucking, this bar and there's the camera crews following wherever she's going. And then, so they decided, so they, they pass by yourself and Tommy and you start, you start drinking pints and having a bit of a scuffle. And then here you get ideas. And I, I said, listen, I, I said, Dave, what about this? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, uh, why didn't, why doesn't he follow her into the jacks, into the men's jacks? And myself and Hector are standing there drinking pints of porter. And right, they all go, yeah, that's a great that's idea, a that's great a great idea. idea. <laughs> okay, relocate. What we want is this set, strike set two and relocate to bathroom set four. So myself and Hector go into the men's jacks in this fucking bar. What now, is, you what, for, what you forget about it is it's an actual working men's <laughs> jacks. <laughs> We're a table and chairs and we're sitting down at the table the and chairs. Oh, the smell of piss. Oh, my. Oh, the smell of piss. We were there for four hours. <laughs> we, we, we couldn't finish our pints. <laughs> the smell was fucking wood. It's like oh, doing a gig in a sewer. Oh, oh, that could be the worst place ever to have to film something. Oh, the fu- like, they were there. Okay, there was all these PAs running around and PAs and PAs. And they and had to stay in the bathroom Second assistant too. directors and first assistant directors and third assistant directors and people walking around with academy oh bands and earphones and security. And go, okay, Ed is on the way. It'll be here in 45. Let's lock it down. Go to set three. And then go to channel four. Everyone on channel four, please. And me and Tommy are going for... Four. Can I have two points of Guinness, please? Oh, so nobody oh. talk... All right, listen to me. Listen up. Nobody talk to, to Ed when he comes in. I may repeat, nobody talk to Ed. 
Some the loneliest man in the world. Well. <laughs> me, and me and Tommy are standing at the bar and in comes Ed and he's straight over to us and we fucking hug him and I'm out with the camera because there are no photos, no camera. I have the photo. I have Come on, Ed. Get in here with the boys. Come on, Ed. You have photos of that? I have the photos. And we'll I have to post them. We'll post yeah, them. Yeah, that's and I said, brilliant. I said, get in here because all these were Ed. Nobody talks to Ed when he gets in. <laughs> There's all makeup and everything. I said, get the photo. And I said, Ed, what do you want? He said, I'll have a pint of Guinness. Another pint of Guinness. We had three pints. And uh, we did the scene. And well, we had to laugh about 20 times. But the great thing about that was for, like, I would have nieces in New Zealand. And they would be, uh, you know, three months later, they're watching Ed Sheeran's new video. And all of a sudden, you're in Uncle it. Tom. Ha! <laughs> Hey, Ed and Uncle Tom getting these shirts for the eye. Mom, Ed, Mama, sweet, I'm almost sure it was Uncle Tom in a cheat in the toilet in Uncle Tom's video. And about 957 million views on YouTube. It's just a funny moment. Wonderful. Wonderful smell of we in the jacks. Well, that's all from us this week, everybody. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to us. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. And action. action. It's been a real treat listening to myself uh, over the past hour. We all hope that you've really enjoyed the show as part of the bonus club membership thing. And uh, um, bonus club membership. It's like a fucking thing above at the GA club where you did you do your bonus club membership, lads? You get just like the local lottery. two extra lottery oh, tickets. Jesus Christ! Good oh, luck, and we'll see you next yeah. week. <laughs> Hope you really enjoyed our exclusive members-only episode. For more exclusive episodes, all you got to do is check out our website, thlpod.com forward slash members only and sign up there. There's 50 of them waiting for you there. But anyway, wherever you are this Easter, stay safe, stay well. If you're on a couple of days' holidays, enjoy. Mass Morgulamakadi on THL Posse. Slán Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.